0: Hey everyone, I'm Megan and you are listening to Secrets in the Cornfield. Thanks for joining and welcome back. I just wanted to give a quick update here for those of you that are not on the Facebook page. The show has officially expanded to other platforms, so aside from Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Secrets in the Cornfield, Iowa's Unsolved can now be heard on Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. I just want to say thank you all for your continued support of the show, and I hope you continue to listen and share. That's all I have for today, so let's get started. In 1984, a young man, home from his first semester of college, goes out with some friends. But when he and his vehicle fail to return home, the family takes immediate action. Now, almost 39 years later, the family is still looking for the missing pieces of the puzzle. This is the disappearance of Harry Milligan. Harry Dennis Milligan grew up in the small community of Avery, Iowa. It was the type of town in the middle of nowhere where to keep busy, you spend a lot of time outdoors. And that's what Harry and his younger brother Mark liked to do. Harry was adopted by Leonard and Vicky Milligan when he was just a few months old. And around the time that Harry was a little more than four years old, Leonard and Vicki took in their grandson, two-year-old Mark, and raised him as their own. Harry never found out who his birth parents were, and the Milligans adopted Mark when he turned 18 years old. As they grew up, Mark and Harry became very close. They loved to hunt and fish, and as the boys got older, they played sports in high school. It was a little bit of a surprise to the family because Harry was born with club feet, which ended up requiring surgery. In spite of his physical setbacks, Harry excelled in football, basketball, and golf. Not only was Harry athletically inclined, he was academically inclined as well. Mark said that school came very easy to Harry, and he always got good grades in school, which would have been apparent then that Harry had a bright future ahead of him. In 1983, when Harry was 20, he decided to join the Marines. No doubt Leonard was an inspiration to Harry for joining, as Leonard was a war veteran and a former Marine himself. Now, when Mark was 17, he had actually signed up to join the Marines first. But after he joined, Harry started looking into all the benefits that the military and more specifically the Marines had to offer. Shortly after his interest was sparked, Harry joined with a plan to further his education. So he joined the Marine Corps Reserves so that he could go to college. Since Harry was already over 18, he went off to boot camp first. And in July of 1983, Harry set off for boot camp in San Diego, California. He returned in September, and shortly after his return, Mark left for boot camp as well. Harry then set off on his college ventures in January of 1984, and he attended school at Northeast Missouri State University at Kirksville, Missouri, which was about an hour from Avery and is known today as Truman State University. For his first semester, Harry lived on campus in the dorms, and in June, he returned home for the summer. By this time, Harry was 21 and lined up a summer job working for a friend painting houses, and had also planned to enjoy himself by hanging out with friends and doing some partying. June 30th of 1984 was one of those nights. With it being the weekend prior to the 4th of July, the town had a lot of activities going on. On this night, Harry had gone to hang out with friends in nearby Albia, which was about six miles and a 10-minute drive from his home. He had gone out with three other friends to a local bar. It was reported the group left the bar together sometime around 2 a.m., and then they decided to drive around for a couple of hours, finishing off a six-pack of beer in the car. According to reports, the friends then dropped Harry off at his car a 1977 maroon, which was located in the library parking lot around 4 30 a.m. The bar the group was reported to be at was about a block from the library, and it was very common that people at that time going to the bar would park in the library parking lot to avoid police detection, or at least try to. The other guys said they dropped Terry off at his car and said they saw him drive away in the direction of his home in Avery and that is the last time anyone has seen Harry Milligan. The next day on July 1st, there were plans made that Harry was supposed to play in a softball game in which he was basically the team captain. Harry's best friend at the time, Denny Hollenrake, had called the Milligan home to make sure Harry was getting ready to head to the game, but the call ended up resulting in realizing that Harry hadn't come home. Initially, Vicky wasn't too concerned. I mean, he was 21 years old, it was his summer vacation, so she just assumed that he had stayed at a friend's house. But as the day passed, and there had been no sign of Harry or his car, Vicky started making phone calls to friends. And when 7.30 p.m. that night had come and no one had seen him, Vicki called 911 to report Harry and his car missing. Harry was 6 feet tall, about 160 pounds, with brown hair and blue eyes, and was last seen wearing a blue plaid short-sleeved shirt, blue jeans, and white tennis shoes, and the license plate on his Pontiac read EIJ-244. At this time, Mark was in California in the Marines but was able to fly home when he found out Harry was missing. As soon as Mark returned home, he started talking to people and checking around town, and one of the things that family noticed right away is that there had not been very much effort put into the investigation. The police believe that Harry had likely taken off and didn't consider foul play to be a possibility. One of the things that the Milligan family has always said from the beginning is that Harry is not the type to just take off, and they were adamant Harry wouldn't have done so. Not only that, what 21-year-old leaves with their car and nothing else? All of his belongings were at home. Plus, it seemed unlikely that he would just take off in the middle of the night even after making plans with his best friend the next day. According to Sheriff Daniel Johnson of the Monroe County Sheriff's Office, who handled the investigation, they believed that Mark was going northbound on Highway 137 in Albia towards Avery, and they searched the entire highway from Albia to Avery, searching ditches and several ponds along the route. They even brought in cadaver dogs, but no sign of Harry, or his 1977 Pontiac turned up in any of their searches. On July 17th, 16 days after Harry was reported missing, in the Monroe County newspaper, under Scheduled Fines listed, Harry Dennis Milligan, Albia, failure to use headlamps when required, $22 plus costs. Now, although this information is public, we don't know to this day when that citation was written, whether it was on the morning of July 1st, before, or even after that. It is certainly possible it isn't relevant to his disappearance, but nothing has come forward as to who wrote Harry that citation or when, which, in my opinion, should have come to light publicly by now. The family almost immediately posted a $500 reward for information about Harry's whereabouts. Even though tips came in, nothing came to light that would lead police to Harry. For many, many years, Vicki and Leonard truly believed that Harry had just had a terrible accident and he had wrecked his car and that eventually he would be found in a ditch or a ravine, but eventually didn't happen. And in May of 1992, Harry had been declared legally dead. Two years later and 10 years after Harry vanished in 1994, while still sitting with no answers, Vicky sadly passed away, not knowing what happened to Harry. But this same year, a friend of the Milligan family, who just so happened to be a private investigator, decided to take a look into the case for the family. And as he talked to the friends who were reportedly with Harry that night, their stories began to change. And these changes sparked the interest of Mark Milligan. Since this time, Mark has done everything in his power to find his missing brother, including a lot of media coverage to get answers. Now, one of the things that I stumbled across was in 2016, Mark Milligan had devoted many years to his brother's case and became fed up with rumors surrounding his brother's disappearance. So he made a very lengthy Facebook post about the rumors and Harry's case from what he knew. Now, after trying to decide how I was going to share this information, I feel that it is best to share this post verbatim because nobody is going to tell the facts better than Mark Milligan, and out of respect for him, he wants this information shared. I have also shared Harry's case summary link from iowacoldcases.org in the episode description in which you can click the link and read the post for yourself. Before I begin, please know I do not include explicit language in my show, and the post shared by Mark does include some of that. So I've decided to slightly alter those parts, but I assure you it will not change the overall context. Mark's post reads, Please share. I think with the new year and the rumors that seem to have spread rather quickly lately, I need to clarify some things with my Facebook friends and family. Before I get into this, which may be rather long, please understand I may offend some people. I may surprise some people. But one thing I am not going to do is pull any punches or try not to hurt any feelings. So if you don't want to know what I think or what I am asking for, then stop reading this now. This is one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with and has completely torn me up for over 30 years. So I will start with what I know as of recent, and hopefully it clarifies the rumors. What I know is that the ex-wife of Jay Owens, I believe Loria, has made claim that she has information regarding Jay Owens being involved in or committing a murder in Albia, Iowa, approximately 30 years ago. I know that this is being looked into by DCI agents. That is what I know as of now. Could it be my brother? Yes. Could it be Tim Ernie? Yes. If you are familiar with this, you know both of these tragic incidents happened within months of each other in Albia. I wish I could tell everyone I had an answer finally, but that is not the case. I am once again left with the same thing I have held onto for years, hope, that someday there is an answer. I guess that leads to this and the fact that I have tried several different things over the years, and now with the overwhelming use of social media, I thought I would reach out to everyone I know, and use you and your extended friends and family to see if somehow I can get an answer. I am clearly asking for help, not opinion, not some preconceived idea of what happened or an assumption. I am strictly asking for facts, things that people know. July 1st, 1984, my brother, Harry Milligan, disappeared from existence in Albia, Iowa, a town of approximately 3,000 people, and it seems that no one knows what happened. At the time of his disappearance, I was on active duty in the Marine Corps, so I do not know the events that led up to this Saturday night, early Sunday morning, other than what I have been told. So that is why I am asking for help. I'm going to put out all the information that I know or have been told. I'm going to put out all of the opinions and misnomers that have been told to me and see if I can obtain more useful information and also hopefully stop some of the formed opinions and rumors. So, like I said, if I mention a name in my opinion and it offends you, tough. It is mine, and I will own it and defend my opinion. Here is what I think I know. My brother was at the bar, Waterworks, owned and operated by Mike Stocker, located on North Main Street in Albia. I know that he was drinking and playing poker that night at the bar. It is my understanding that he did rather well that evening, taking several hundred dollars from Mike Stocker and the others, unknown to me, but would like to know, and closed the bar. I know he left that bar with what I had been told was Steve Rockwell and Jeff Adler. I was told that they purchased a six-pack of beer to go and got into Steve Rockwell's car and drove around finishing those beers. I was told that at approximately 3 o'clock a.m., Harry was dropped off back at his car parked in front of the bar on Main Street facing north and that he was observed by at least Steve Rockwell getting into his car. It is unclear and I do not know if Jeff Adler also got out of the car or not. It may be that I was told, but I do not recall ever being told. I know that I was told that Steve then saw Harry start his vehicle and start to drive north, which would be in the direction of home since we lived in Avery, Iowa. That is the last time my brother was ever seen that I know of other than years later, an individual, Raymond Ostermeyer, stated that he possibly saw Harry's vehicle going south in town at some point that early morning. So very limited information, as you can see from the night's events, things I would like to know. Who saw Harry at the bar that night, and was he playing cards? If he was playing cards, who all was playing? Was he winning, and were there any persons that could have had hard feelings or was upset? Who may have seen him leave the bar that night, and was he with Steve Rockwell and Jeff Adler? Did anyone see them return to the bar, and where exactly was his car parked that night? Did anyone see him leave in his car, and was anyone with him? Who was the bartender that night and did anyone stay after to clean the bar or continue to drink? I need to explain one thing that has always struck me as very strange since this night. First of all, after I returned and began to search and ask questions, I want everyone to know that Steve Rockwell has spoke with me in regards to what transpired that night. He has also stayed in contact with mom and dad for several years trying to help them out. But what I find strange is that Jeff Adler has never spoken to me or my parents in regards to this night, nor has he ever made himself available to speak with law enforcement that I am aware of. I know I have a copy of the case file and nothing in regards to that is in there. When I was in Albia looking and talking to people, every time I entered a place where he was at, he would leave. This I find very strange. To be very honest, the entire investigation was minimal, it was a 21 year old male and I personally do not believe it was taken serious at the time it happened. Now two rumors and such that has been told to me over the 30 years and my opinion of them. Again if you don't want to hear my opinion now would be the time to stop reading. Number one my dad Leonard killed him and buried him and the car in the house on our property in Avery. Absolutely not true. Most people don't understand that Harry was adopted and the life and soul of my dad's. Just as most people don't understand that Leonard, I refer to as dad, is actually my grandfather that raised me. Absolutely something he would not do. Number two, my mother, Vicky killed him because they argued on occasion. Absolutely not true. Most people don't understand that my dad worked on the railroad and was away from home a lot because of work. So mom was the disciplinarian in the house. We were teenagers. Arguments happened. Enough said. Did not happen. Number three, Harry decided to just leave. Highly unlikely. If you knew his situation, he had it made. He was very intelligent going to college at NMSU in Kirksville, was in the Marine Corps Reserve, and came home every weekend to party, etc., with his friends as he was this night. Number four, he was involved in some top secret thing in the military and they moved him away. Really? Then I don't think that they would have declared him as a deserter at one point and made us jump through all sorts of hoops in regards to other issues. Those are the opinions that have been told to me personally, that I absolutely know to be nothing but stupid people's imagination running crazy. But now to things that makes more sense, but has never been able to be substantiated or proven to be a part of his disappearance. Number one, Harry was mistakenly killed by some unknown person or an individual with the nickname Flame that was actually intending to kill Doug Maddie. It was explained to me that there was a serious drug debt owed by Maddie and that this person was sent to collect the debt or kill Maddie and he mistook Harry as being Doug. My opinion is that this is a possibility and since Doug and Harry were friends, Harry was no angel and partook in some drug use. And of course... Well, Doug Maddie, Enough said. Him and I have a history. He knows my opinion of him and what he does. However, it should be known he has never been questioned or volunteered any information. Number two, it was rumored that during this supposed card game that night at the bar, Harry took a considerable amount of money from Mike Stocker and he was very upset. I have been told that Mike or someone Mike paid was waiting on Harry to return to his car that night. That is who killed Harry. I was told that the car was then buried, since Stalker had family with the capability and equipment to make that happen. My opinion is that this is a possibility. I knew Mike Stalker and I was no angel at that time and frequented the I knew Mike Stalker and I was no angel at that time and frequented the bars myself. I knew that beer was not the only thing being sold out of the bar. Part of why I questioned who I'll work there or was there after hours is because years later, Steve Townsend made a very clear comment to my wife one night at McGee's bar as he looked at me. How much do you think it would cost to make someone disappear? She really didn't reply and he stated something to the effect, I have done it before for less than $500. Might not be a cop now if she would have told me that comment at the time and not waited till we were home. But then again, Steve Townsend, he also knows my opinion. Enough said. This is the information I know after 30 years, and I just cannot believe that someone doesn't know what happened to my brother. Someone or a group of people know what happened, and all I ask is for someone to come forward and let my family put this to an end with some answers. No one can imagine the stuff I have heard, been told, or even been threatened with since that day. Everyone knows I'm a cop. Have been for almost 20 years. I have been told numerous times by persons I was dealing with on a professional level that they wish it had been me instead of him. Really stupid people. You don't think I have thought that too after watching what my mom and dad have gone through. I have had my wife's life threatened from a murderer, Mike Jesperson, that killed one of my good friends, Jeff Wolloms. When he sent word from prison, if I didn't quit messing with his son, she would come up missing like Harry. He also made claims of knowing what happened but would never tell. I have had to listen to people like Doug Chijester, Steve Dye, and others tell me that they know exactly what happened from being in prison but would never tell me what they know. All I know is that I will never quit looking, never quit asking, never quit hoping for an answer. All I ask is if you know or think you know something, please contact me or the Monroe County Sheriff's Office with the information that you have. You never know how it could help. Thanks for caring and reading my post. Please share it and ask your friends to share it. You never know who may hold the key to my question. What happened to my brother, Harry Milligan? As for the current investigation that is taking place, I hope that if you know something, you are smart enough to contact me or the Monroe County Sheriff with that information as soon as possible. I am not hard to find. I am on Facebook, and I am currently employed at the Otumwa Police Department. Better to be part of the answer than to be implicated. I plan to never let this die, and now that I can reach more people easier, time is now on my side. Rest in peace, my brother. Someday I will finish this so there is peace. In Mark's quest for answers and to solve his brother's disappearance, Mark started a Facebook page called Harry Dennis Milligan, Still Missing, and that Facebook page caught the attention of a private dive team called Chaos Divers, which was started in 2019. The dive team serves on a volunteer basis and specializes in finding vehicles underwater. Since their start, the dive team has recovered remains of 11 missing people. So in June of 2022, the team decided to take on Harry's case with their first search and returned two months later in August of 2022 for a second search. The team, along with Mike, based their search on the rumors, and then when those were ruled out, based their searches on the probabilities of what route Harry could have taken that night. One of the dive team members, Lindsay Buzik, said that so far they have looked through 13 ponds, three reservoirs lake miami and rathbun lake encompassing about 80 percent of the bodies of water around the area harry was reported to have been but through their searches they have yet to locate harry or his car it is not clear whether harry's disappearance was a result of drinking and driving resulting in a tragic accident and he just hasn't been found or a more sinister chain of events took place that morning on July 1st of 1984. Mark and Harry's dad passed away fairly recently in 2017 and Mark continues to advocate in finding his brother and in his own words, he will never quit and never stop looking. So if anyone listening has any information regarding Harry Milligan's mysterious disappearance or whereabouts, please contact the Monroe County Sheriff's Office at 641 641- or the Missing Person Information Clearinghouse, Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation at 1-800-346-5507. Thank you for listening to Secrets in the Cornfield. Tune in in two weeks for a new episode. Sources for this episode can be found in the episode description. You can follow and listen to Secrets in the Cornfield Iowa's Unsolved on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. You can join the Facebook group by going to Secrets in the Cornfield podcast. And if you have any information we'd like to share, you can email me at SITCpod at gmail.com. Please continue to share these cases in hopes of finding answers for families and providing a voice for.